a church in this day, in this hour that is alive and that is advancing the kingdom of God. God, he wants somebody who says, God, put me in. I'm not satisfied with being on the sidelines. I'm ready for action. Put me in to the action. I'm not going to be in this part time. I'm not going to be in this with one foot in and one foot out. God, in fact, I'll burn the bridges to my past. I'm all in for everything that you would call me to do. God, just speak and I'll go. I'll do whatever it is that you're calling me to do. Come on. This is what God is calling and expecting of the church in this day and in this hour. I don't believe that this is a time for us to just sit back and say, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else take care of it. Or the fact that revival was in the past and it's over. It's passed us by. I believe the revival is now. That this is the day. This is the hour. This is the time for the church to wake up and say, put me in. God, let me be used in this last days for what you are trying to do to reach this lost world. Come on, do you believe that there is a world out there that needs you? Do you believe that there is a world that is out there that is hurting, that's dying and going to hell? And we are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And if we do not go, who will go? Who will go? Here's what I believe about Jesus and his purpose for the church. I believe that Jesus did not die on the cross so that we would play it safe. He died to make us dangerous. He gave us power. Dynamite power. When he left this earth, he told his disciples on that day, I want you to go to Jerusalem and you're going to pray there. You're going to wait because I'm going to send you the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. The dynamite power of the Holy Ghost. I want to make you dangerous. I want to empower you with my spirit to go and to set this world on fire. See, faithfulness Sometimes we look at faithfulness, and I, I talked on having faith here this morning, but, but faithfulness is not just holding on to the fort. It's not, it's not just standing by and say, all right, God, I'm not going to move. No, a lot of times faithfulness, it looks like storming the gates of hell. It looks like going and saying, Lord, your plan is not just an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. It's a plan that would call me to action. It's a plan that would call me to go. I'm on the the complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ. Should not be a radical thing. That should not be a radical concept. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. I don't know if anybody's getting this this morning. God is not calling us to simply go safely to our point of death. Marching towards the back of the line. Saying, God, thank you for saving me. 
I'll go and I'll, I'll do the bare minimum of, of what you would ask of me, but don't worry. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall off the ship, but, but don't ask me to do anything else more than just march towards my death so that I could make it to heaven. I don't care what age you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. Abraham was 70 years old when God called him. Moses was 80 years old when he, when he approached that burning bush. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. God called out to Samuel when he was just a young boy in the temple. Jeremiah, he looked at God and when God was calling him to be a prophet, he said, I'm too young. I can't do this and go out and tell them about the, pro- about the, the, the hardships, and the things that are going to befall them. I can't do this because I'm too young. And God said, don't call yourself too young. I told you to go, so go. Go. God is calling us to go. And God is calling us to get back in action. God is calling us to say, Lord, I am all in. Who am I all in for? I'm all in for the all in all. I'm all in for the all in all. My God, He is everything to me. And if He's everything to me, come on, let me be all in for everything that He would call me to do. God's calling somebody here today to go all in. Right now, God is calling somebody today to wake up and to assess their life and say, I can do more for the kingdom of God. I can do more. I was made more. I was made for more than what I am doing right now. I was made for more. When you were made to do more. You were made to do great things. You, when God filled you with the Holy Ghost power, when you were baptized in His name, it wasn't just for you. It was so that you could go and fulfill the purpose of the church. It was so that you could be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. If we just take a little look at the way in which Jesus called His disciples, we get a little taste of how of what he meant when he was saying, I want you to be all in. When he's walking along Galilee and he comes up to the seashore of the Sea of Galilee and he sees these boats. And in these boats is, is a couple of fishermen and, and I don't know how many were out there, but there was at least a couple of families of, 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 of Peter and Andrew and James and John and, and they, they were fishermen and they were out there and Jesus approaches them one day and he, he talks to them and he says, put down your nets, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They put down their nets, they followed Jesus in flesh For three and a half years. And then they followed the leading of his spirit for the rest of their life. They didn't return to the nets for very long. We see little bits and portions where after Jesus died. And and he had resurrected and Peter returned to the nets. He was back out fishing and Jesus called him up to the shore. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? God?" And he says, yes, you know that I love you. Then go and feed my sheep. I haven't called you. To go back to the nets. I haven't called you to go back to what you used to do. I've called you to follow me. And what I'm calling you to now is to go and feed my sheep. 
They put down their nets and they followed Jesus. When Jesus met Matthew at that tax collector's booth, he he told Matthew, he says, follow me. Leave your career behind. Let me show you a new way of life. Matthew left it all behind and he followed Jesus. If you see the rich young ruler, I talked about him last week in our little devotional put online. But that rich young ruler, he wanted to know what it took to make it to heaven. What was he told by Jesus? Jesus says, go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and then follow me. Talk about going all in. Sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. Now, does that seem like some extreme measures to take? Was was Jesus asking too much of this young man? I I asked the question because there's a little part of me that feels bad for a, a righteous person. He was a very good man. He said that he had followed all the commandments from his youth up, he, he, and yet he walked away sorrowfully from Jesus after being asked to ante up and go all in. Should we feel bad for him? Well, perhaps it seems like Jesus was asking a lot, maybe even too much. But we focus on what Jesus was asking him to give up, failing to consider what he was offering up in exchange. Because Jesus invited the rich young ruler to follow him. And that's the point in the story where we should gasp. We should say, you mean I can follow the creator of the universe? You mean I can follow the one who is the alpha and the omega? I can follow the great I am? I can follow the one who holds my future in his hands? I can follow him? Come on, that's not a foolish thing to go all in when you can follow Jesus Christ. When you can follow the one who knows from the the end from the beginning when you can follow him it it makes total sense to give everything up and to give it all to the poor and follow Jesus Christ to follow him come on he's saying would you go all in to follow him is not a foolish thing at all to follow Jesus Christ is not a foolish thing to go all in for Jesus is never a foolish errand See, there was nothing new. This is nothing new when it comes to the ambitions that God would have for his people. Abraham was asked to offer up his promised son as a burnt offering to God. There is no way that anyone would ever do that unless they uh, were all in for whatever God asked of them. Just remember Lot's wife. God said, don't look back. Don't look back at your past. Leave your past behind. I want you to be all in on the future that I'm leading you to. I want you to be all in with your eyes locked into your future. Come on, that's directed by God. Don't look to the past. Don't look behind you. Now I want you to be all in for where I'm bringing you right now. If you look at the Ten Commandments, which were handed down to Moses straight from God, we see God laying out the expectations for his people to be all in. He said, thou shalt. 
shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Come on, what am I talking about today? No other gods. I don't serve another God. Yes, but what is it that you put before God today? It may not be an idol that you erect in your house, but it perhaps there's something that you would set before Jesus Christ, that set before Him as a God that you would follow instead of the voice of Jesus. When he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's only one who sits upon the throne. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Come on, I want you to go straight down that narrow path. Don't dabble with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I want you to be all in. I want you to be all in. He says, worship me with your whole heart. Worship me with your whole mind. Worship me with your whole soul. Your whole, come on, all of your strength. I want you to worship me. God said... And God says, I despised, I despised Ephraim, who was like a cake half baked, a cake that hadn't been turned over. In other words, one part of it was done and the other part was not finished. It was only halfway in and halfway out. God says, I despise that kind of person. We know, well, you, you know the, what he's, what, what it said about the lukewarm church in Revelation. It says, God will spew it out of his mouth. God is looking for a church that's all in. God is looking for a church that would say, I am all in for everything that you would call me to do. I believe that there's no better example to follow than the one that he left for us. God, he came down from heaven. He lived on earth as a man, Jesus Christ, and and he had such a love for every sinful man in this world that he gave his life for them he was whipped he was beaten he carried a cross down the streets of jerusalem and and his hands and his feet they were nailed to that tree they hung him there in agony until he finally took his last breath why would he do that why Why would he go through all the pain, suffering? Why would he die on a cross? Because greater love hath no man than this. He would lay down his life for a friend. God saw you in your sin. God saw you in your sinful state. And he said, come here, friend. You may not know me. But I've known you, I've known your name since you were in your mother's womb. I knew that you would try your very best to keep it all together. You would try your very best to pursue great things. That you would try to build the greatest life that you could build here on this earth. But here you are spinning your wheels trying to gain traction in this life. And I want to offer you something. I want to offer you a new lease on life with fresh hope, full confidence, and a bright future. But the only way that you can have that new life is if I die for you. When he died on the cross, he was looking into your future. He was looking into your future and he's saying, friend, I love you enough to die for you. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you die for me? 
I do it because I love you and I want to reconnect with every offspring of my greatest creation. In fact, I want to spend eternity with you. And the only way that I can spend eternity with you is if I die for you. Is if I go all in for you. This is what God is saying to us. The only way that I can have a relationship that I want restored is if I go all in. So he went to a cross and he died for us. He went all in. Come on, he went through the suffering. He went through the pain. He hung there on a cross so that we could see what it really means to go all in for somebody that you love. He died the death that nobody would want to die. He went all in for the church. He went all in for the every human that has ever existed on this earth. He went all in. He went all in. And church, it is through that example that Jesus gave us that we truly learn what it means to be all in. He gave his life for us. If we just take a look at the early examples of the church, the early examples that, that are given to us of those who followed Jesus, we begin to see what they gave up, what they thought it meant, what they I believed it meant to be all in for Jesus Christ. You see, the first example of Stephen, when Stephen is a, a the first Christian martyr that's, uh, that's documented for us in the book of Acts, he took his last breath under a heap of stones. Why was he killed on that day? It was because he was preaching Jesus Christ. And even as they threw those stones at him, he continued to look up to heaven and he said, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. He told them about Jesus. There was a young man that was there on that day. His name was Paul. Paul is there. He, He sees this testament of a man. I would be all in for Jesus and his life may not have been transformed on that day. But one day Jesus arrived to him and Paul, he sold out everything that he had to follow Jesus. He sold out everything that he had to begin a journey that says, I'm leaving my past behind. I'm leaving everything that I used to know behind and I will follow Jesus to the end of my life. He marched his way to Rome eventually where he was, he was uh, killed by the Emperor Nero. History tells us of those who followed in his footsteps. We see in AD 44 that King Herod ordered that James the Greater, this, uh, James the Greater, one of the disciples of Jesus would be thrust through with a sword. Luke, was hung by the neck from an olive tree in Greece. Doubting Thomas was pierced with a pine spear, tortured with red-hot plates and burned alive in India. In A.D. 44, the proconsul of Hierapolis had Philip tortured and crucified because his wife converted to Christianity while listening to Philip preach. Witnesses said that Philip continued to preach while he was there on the cross. 
Matthew was stabbed in the back in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was flogged to death in Armenia. James the Just was thrown off the southeast pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. And after surviving that 100 foot fall, he was clubbed to death by a mob. Simon the Zealot was crucified by a governor of Syria in A.D. 74. Judas Thaddeus was beaten to death with sticks in Mesopotamia. Matthias, who replaced Judas Iscariot, was stoned to death and then beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request. John the Beloved is the only disciple of Jesus Christ to die of natural causes, but that's only because he survived what was supposed to be his own execution when they put him into a cauldron of boiling oil and that could not kill him and so Emperor Diocletian went and had him exiled to the island of Patmos where he spent many years and he wrote the book of Revelation and then he eventually came back and he returned to Ephesus where he wrote three epistles and he died of natural causes about AD 100 every Christian living in a first world country in the 21st century I believe should read The book that's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It goes through the history of not just these individuals that we read about in Scripture, but of many who went through the ages and following them who they gave their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. They were all in. When you begin to read this book, you see the reality check that puts our first world problems into perspective. It redefines what risk really is. It really uh, begins to set a different standard for what sacrifice looks like for a Christian. By comparison, many of our risks today seem rather tame. Many of our sacrifices, they seem somewhat lame compared to the sacrifices that many have given over the centuries for the cause of Jesus Christ. When our normal today is so subnormal that normal seems radical. To the first century disciples, normal and radical were synonyms. Today for us, they're antonyms. Normal for them was to be radical, was to be all in for Jesus Christ. Normal for them was saying, I'm going to follow Jesus, what you called me to, which is to take up my cross daily and follow you to give everything. And when I lose my life, I gain it. And if I try to keep a hold of my life, then I'm just losing the very thing that you have called me to to do. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, that's exactly what Jesus is calling. He says, lose Your life, whosoever loses their life for me will save it. The disciples took that literally. I think that today we ought to at least take it figuratively. I'm not suggesting today that every one of us is called to go and to die physically for Christ. But we must die to ourselves. If Jesus hung on a cross, then we can certainly carry ours. A figurative cross. And that isn't just our greatest responsibility. It's our highest privilege. It's a privilege to carry the cross. 
It's a privilege to be all in for Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to go and to say, Lord, I will carry the burden of what it means to be all in for you. Why? Because when I do so, that means I'm covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm living the life that you've called me to. And I have a reward waiting for me in heaven. And I can't wait to get to the other side where I can meet my king. Where I can meet Jesus who gave his all for me. Anything less then the complete surrender of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I believe, is robbing God of the glory that He demands and that He deserves. And it's cheating ourselves out of the eternal reward that He has reserved for us. Come on. We won't come alive in the truest and fullest sense until we die to ourselves. Until we die to ourselves. You won't find yourself until you lose yourself for the cause of Christ. This is why I call today and I say it's time to ante up. It's time to go all in. It's time to say I'm tired of holding back. I'm tired of, of keeping the cards close to my chest and not, not wanting to, to go all in with both feet. If, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. That's the truth. If he's not the Lord of everything in your life, then he's not the Lord of anything in your life. A Lord, he is over all. Everything that we would be called to, to do, everything that, every purpose that we have, it falls under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's all or nothing. It's now or never. It's now or never. It's time to go all in, church. It's time to go all in. Now, as I give you these examples today, I can, I can kind of see some, some wheels that are turning and, and some minds here today of like, you know, what, is this, what does this look like for me, though? Do I have to give up my career like Matthew did and James and John and Peter and Andrew? Do I, have to, do I have to walk away from all of that in order to follow Jesus and be all in? Do I have to sell my house like the rich young ruler was asked to do and sell everything, give to the poor and and follow Jesus? Am I going to have to die for Jesus? What does it mean for me to be all in? What, what, what does that look like in my life? Here's, here's what I want to start with, this, this, this simple question. Ask yourself this question. Am I following Jesus, or am I asking Jesus to follow me? Because far too many Christians today say that they are following Jesus, but the reality is that they've inverted the gospel by inviting Jesus to follow them. They are in charge. That they make the rules. That they decide their level of consecration. That they choose the scriptures that they want to follow and the ones that they want to leave off. They want Jesus close by, no doubt. They say, I want you to follow me. I don't want you to leave me. I want you close by so that whenever I'm in need, I can call, call out your name and that you're there. But they would much rather he follow them than to put Jesus up in the lead spot. And so I'm going to ask you today a very simple question. Are you following Jesus? 
Because if Jesus leads you down a path in your prayer, and you're, you're, you're in this time of prayer, and Jesus is leading you down a path that you don't want to go down, because you, because you, you just get frightened by the thing that he would ask you to do and to give up. You pause in fear of, a, God, you couldn't possibly be asking me to really do that. Is Jesus leading you or are you leading him? That time of prayer, what's your response when he's asking you to give up something valuable? What is your response? If he were to ask you to give up your career, what would your response be? If he were to ask you to sell your house and to give it all away like he did the, the, the rich young ruler and give away all of his possessions, what would your response be? When you read through scripture and it talks about giving 10% of your finances back to God, choosing to live on 90% of your income, do you just brush that aside and say, well, God understands that my finances are tight. It's not possible in my situation. Or do you read that and you say, I'm all in. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but Jesus, you've led me there in Scripture. I see it, and so I know that you're going to make a way. Come on, this isn't just about tithing. I'm just talking about when you see something and God points it out, and you say, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how this is going to work for me. And you see him leading you to do it. Let's dive all in. Let's say, Jesus, I trust you that you're going to make a way. Whatever he's speaking to you in your prayer time, whatever he's speaking to you when you're opening up the word of God, let's say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'll do it. You're in charge. Help me. I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to do this, but let's go. Let's go. I believe that the only way to truly be a disciple of Jesus is by being all in. That you can't follow him halfway. You have to learn to trust. A lot of times it's not going to make sense. Many times it won't make sense. People will call you foolish for being all in for Jesus. Mark my words. People will think that you have lost your mind. They will think that you have completely gone off the rails. But if you're following Jesus, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks because he's in charge. I'm following him. My confidence is in him. I'm all in. And I believe that God, he will provide for me. Let me just tell you a story. There's a businessman. His name is Stanley Tam. In 1934, as a young door-to-door salesman, Stanley Tam, he met a farmer's wife who told him about Jesus. Six weeks, six weeks later, he had gone to a church. He placed his faith in Jesus Christ. And a couple years later, he started a business. He only had $25 in his pocket plus another $12 that his father gave him, but he started a business in Lima, Ohio, really not too far away from here. And this business was called United States Plastic Corporation. A couple years into his business, things were not going so well. They, they, they uh, were struggling somewhat. The annual revenue may seem like a lot, but the annual revenue was $200,000. It was barely enough to pay the bills for his business for that year. He's becoming discouraged. But it was in that time of discouragement that one day while he was praying, he heard God tell him to turn the business over to him and that God would make it succeed. 
So Stanley took that word from God literally. He went to two lawyers who brushed him off thinking that he was pretty crazy for what he was asking them to do. But he finally convinced a third lawyer there in the Lima area to uh, legally help him turn over 51% of his business to God. So legally, from that day forward, 51% of the company's profits would legally have to be transferred into a nonprofit that was giving away all of this to the spread of God's kingdom. And so he did that. Over the next two decades, God tremendously blessed his business. But in January of 1955, Mr. Tam took a trip down to South America to help some of the missions that he was supporting. And while there, God spoke to him and he said, Stanley, if a soul is the most precious thing in the world, would you go back to, to the United States and, and turn over your entire business to me? Would you use the prophets to spread the gospel around the world? He said, Lord, you already have 51% of it. Isn't that enough? But he could sense God saying to him, Stanley, on the cross, I paid it all for you. Now you're my disciple, and I want you to do what I've asked. He described that night in an interview with author Randy Alcorn, and he, he said, you'll never know the struggle that I went through that night, but finally I said, all right, Lord, you can have it. I just want to be obedient. So on January 15th, 19. 55, every share of stock was transferred out of his name and it was given to God. And that's the day that Stanley went all in with God. And from that day, from that day, 1955 to the present, Stanley has given away more than $120 million for the kingdom of God. What is God calling you to give to him today? What is he asking you to give up? Have you committed yourself completely and wholly to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because if you have, then whatever he asks, there may be a little bit of a struggle as you go through it as he did in that night. But when he got up early that next morning, just as Abraham did, he says, God, you've asked it. I'll do it. I'm all in. I'm all in. When the time of Fasting and prayer that we're in as a church right now, this is just the beginning stage of what it means to be all in for Jesus. This is just the very beginning stage. This is like where, where God is calling the Israelites to consecrate themselves as they cross over the Jordan River to go possess the promised land. He says, consecrate yourselves because I have great things in store for you. And that's what this is. This is just the beginning. But consecration, really, when you get an understanding of what consecration is, it's not just prayer. It's not just fasting. It's not just attendance at church. It's not just being good. But consecra consecration to God is being all in and everything that he would ask of us. It's full devotion. It's dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus Christ. Consecration is, is giving God veto power in your life. Consecration is surrendering all of you to all of Him. Consecration is recognizing that every second of time, every ounce of energy, every penny that is earned is a gift from God and you would give it back to God. Consecration is choosing to go all in. Man, I'm bringing this to a close here today because I, I, I know what God is reaching for somebody today. 
I was reaching for somebody. There's somebody here who's on the verge of going all in for Jesus, but something is holding you back. Something has held you back. Maybe it's the pull of the world that's around you, or maybe it's, it's your past that's haunting you. The unknown that comes with burning the bridges, all these things that, that frighten you about going all in, the sacrifice perhaps that, that will be involved with it, all these things that they, they hold you back, but I want you to know today that it's worth it. It's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. It's not the easy path, but it's worth it. And I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like for you. I asked that question earlier. What does this look like for me? Do I have to give up my career? Do I have to die for the cause of Christ? Do I have to sell all and give to Him? I can't tell you exactly what it looks like for you. That comes in a place of prayer. That comes in a some time where you can sort that out with God at an altar of sacrifice. You have an opportunity to do that today. You can bury your face in the carpet and divest yourself of your own will and replace it with God's will. I've learned that God always asks for more than you think that you can give. But when you say yes and you give Him everything that He asks of you, then you're never fully going to be satisfied with giving him anything less. When you come in a place of prayer today, posture where you say, Lord, I want to be your disciple. God, I want to be all in. What does it look like for me? What does it look like for me to be all in? What does it look like? What if I would respond completely and wholly to you? When you do that, he may ask something that will shock you. What he says, and he begins putting that in your mind in that place of prayer. Don't ignore that voice. Don't ignore the voice that would seem to be God's saying, I want you to give something that seems like more than you could give, more than you could give up. Come on, God's looking for a church today that's all in. He's looking for a church today that when he speaks to us, we would respond and say, Lord, have your way. God, I'm leaving you up at the front. I'm going to follow you fully. Why could we stand in this place today? As you prepare to give him your all here at this altar today, let me just tell you about a few brave souls in the early 1900s who branded themselves as one-way missionaries. They went, they bought airline tickets, they bought just a one-way ticket, no return Instead of suitcases, there were some of them that they would pack their belongings into a coffin and they would send them to the place that they were at because they were dying to the past of where they are at. They were going to where God has called them to go. Peter Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for what is today called Vanuatu. It's in the South Pacific region. He knew full well that the tribesmen that were there, there were 
some of them cannibals and killed killed the missionaries who had gone before him he went he said I'm all in bought a one-way ticket to go to Vanuatu and when he was there he began to work his way in with the tribe members and for 35 years he lived among that tribe and he loved them when he died at 90 years of age the tribe members they buried him in their village and inscribed this epitaph on the picture of right under the, the picture of, of Peter Milne that was hanging in the church that he had built and on that epitaph it said when he came there was no light when he left there was no darkness When did we start believing that God sent us to do safe things? When did, we, when did we start believing that God has just called us to do the easy things? Well, am I asking you to level up today? Yes, I am. God's calling you to live a life that's so far beyond anything that you've ever imagined for yourself. He wants you to live dangerously. He wants you to burn some bridges today that you're not going back to your past. You're not retreating to where you came from. Today is time to go all in. God, I've thought about it before and then I got scared. It's not time to be scared today. Let's make a commitment. What if you're ready for that commitment today? Would you find a place to pray? Would you find a place to make a decision on your present and in your future? On your past, it doesn't matter. God's accepting all takers right now. He's not going to reject any applicants. It doesn't matter where you're at in your walk with God. Saying, from this day forward, would you give yourself wholly, completely to me? Would you be all in? Uh, this is what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what it takes it's to be all in. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've known him, God wants you to take the plunge today. God, I want to be all in. I don't know what it looks like for you. I can't, I can't spell it all out for you. You've got to work that out with God. You've got to work that out in a time of play, in a place of prayer, in a, in a place where where he's speaking to you and there's things that he's trying to chisel out of your life and he's trying to, to do some things and shape you into the person that he's called you to be. When he says something and it's shocking, come on, that's that leap of faith that he's wanting you to take. God, I'm all in. I'm all in today. Come on, would you seek him right now?
Yeah. Mm-hmm. 